Welcome to GradCast, the official podcast of the Society of Graduate Students at the University of Western Ontario. Coming to you from the other London, let's start the show. Good evening, London. How is everyone doing? Uh, welcome to another episode of GradCast. GradCast is the official radio show of the Society of Graduate Students at Western University. We highlight the research of our university's graduate students every other Tuesday at 6 p.m. Well, today we have an extremely interesting, multifaceted member of the Western graduate student community. Welcome, Indranil Chakraborty. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me. Uh, so, Indranil is, uh, did his undergrad in history uh, in India. And then he was a journalist for 12 years covering politics, business, public policy, IT and communication for two leading newspapers in India. He came to Canada initially to pursue a master's from Simon Fraser University and currently is doing a PhD in information and media studies. But wait, that's not all. He's also the president of the PSAC Local 610, the Teachers Assistant and Postdocs Union uh, Association here at Western. So, Indranil, before we begin, you know, getting into the meat and bones of your research, tell me something. Um, you know, when you compare to, you know, your colleagues and students um, here, has being a journalist for 12 years made you a better academic? Yeah, certainly it does. I think uh, journalism teaches you about how good you are at research. Okay. And that research part is the most important thing that I learned from journalism. And when I came here, that really helped me a lot. Um, so, if I understand, I've been going through 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 what you what you study, and essentially, you're talking about India's information industry, and you're looking at uh, you know sort of the fast food workers, the janitors and the security guards who work in these offices in the, uh, you know, in these big information campuses um, in India. So you're talking about long hours, um, minimal benefits and the abysmal work conditions that these workers face. So what makes this situation unique in the context of Indian IT? Okay, so when we talk about Indian IT, we only think about the software programmers, hardware engineers, uh, or call center executives. We never think about the people who support the business. Right. So my research is about the life and working conditions of underclass technology workers, mm -hmm. such, as, such as janitors, security guards, fast food delivery service professionals, and carpool drivers who work in and around global technology parks in India. Right. This is this, these are the people who run the show, but these are the people who really live a precarious life. Um, so going going through your notes, uh, you know, these two phrases sort of stood out for me. You know, the underbelly of the Indian IT sector or the universe of underclass. Yeah. Um, so being Indian myself, you know, um, and, you know, being in India during the, the IT boom, you know, it, it, it certainly contributed a lot to our growth yeah. um, and our standing in the world. Um, have the people that you are studying, did they miss out? No, they, I, I don't say they miss out. These are the people who are basically lower caste marginal peasants, landless laborers, who in the kind of post-80s and post-90s globalization scenario 
migrated to the cities, big mm-hmm. cities, to right. get jobs. Okay, so when they came here uh, in this in these cities, uh, they got some jobs, right. and they fed themselves well. Okay, obviously there were some uh, other side too because they they work between eight to. 12 hours, no work, no pay. Right. But even that for them is good enough to survive. So they survived. Okay. And that's the most important part of it. The Indian IT industry is not the story of only of software engineers going to Silicon Valley or Europe, getting money and uh, creating boom in real estate in India. Right. It's also a story of these people who travel from the villages or the semi-urban, semi-rural areas and they uh, survived there. They live. They they get. They got a better uh, life. I think so. In a very relative sense. Okay. Okay. So define relative. Um, you know how. Um, you know. Uh, do you do you have, for example, I know you conduct a lot of interviews with different people. Can you can you sort of illustrate your point with with an example? Okay. So. Maybe up, uh, in, in the villages for 10 hours of work, they would not get 10 hours of work, but right. even if they get 10 hours of work, they would, they would earn, let's say, uh, $50. Okay? Right. But coming in the cities for 10 hours of work, they would get, let's say, um, $150, $200. Okay. And they have, uh, uh, maybe many of them have mobile phone, not the smartphones, right. but the basic mobile phone. Right. They will get a place to leave. Right. And maybe once in a while they can go to Wendy's or McDonald's for some food. Okay. So that's why it's it's a relative. No, it's a better than what they were living in the village. And um, and then how is it? Um, how is it? Uh, maybe worse than. But you're saying that they have they've had a better life compared to the rural environment from where they came from. But is there any way, uh, you know, have their working conditions improved? Has their plight in, in, in improved in any sense? Uh, okay, I, I, I'm not saying that, I'm not saying, it's very objective, Leah, I'm, I'm not saying that they have a better life. It's they, they are saying that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. everybody I've interviewed, 110 interviews across five cities. Right. They have said that they are, most of them, not all, right. but about... 80-90% say that they have a better life now. Right. Okay. But at the same time, they'll, let's say over a span of 10 years, right. the places where there are unions, right. uh, they have negotiated better salary. Okay. Little better, I'm not saying that from $200 to $500, but right. $200 to, to, to $250, let's okay. say, over okay. a span of 5-10 years. Right. They have negotiated that. Right. Okay. So, it's not only a case of precarity. Right. Precarious living. It's also a case of of fighting for better living condition for them. Okay. Um, in, in, in one of your articles, you mentioned that um, given how, you know, the Indian IT industry is celebrated, the celebration often misses out the darker side of the story where the fruits of labor have been limited to a very narrow stratum of the society. Yeah. How have these people missed out? And, and what exactly are they missing out on? Okay, so uh, the 
if you ask any any Indians, right, they would say that India they celebrate the middle class right growth in India. Okay. Okay. So middle class numbers is five percent, let's say. Okay. Six percent, ten percent. Right. Okay. So obviously there has been an increase in the middle class number. Right. In the in the last in the post globalization period. Right. I am one of those who believe there has been some improvement. Okay. Okay. In terms of living standards. Right. But at the same time, there's a huge increase in inequality. There has been huge increase in mal, uh, in not in mal, malnutrition, in a sense that somebody who is getting some food now are getting more food, mm-hmm. but but not enough to to justify that growth process. So in the growth, they were left out. So somebody got ten percent growth, somebody got ninety percent growth. Mm-hmm. So in that sense, this is very relative. In that sense, inequality has increased. In that sense, there is a precarity exists. Um, and um, how how does your research help sort of improve the improve the conditions of these people? Uh, uh, my research is looking at this at the at the level of precarity. Okay. My research is looking at the level of inequality. Okay. My research is looking at how these people are surviving. Okay, and their struggle. Struggle for better benefits, wages. Mm-hmm. Struggle for working hours. Like most of them work ten to twelve hours. No work, no pay. Mm-hmm. Okay. So my research is trying to get that story, and 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 say that not everything is hunky dory in the Indian IT industry. There are there are issues which has to be solved. Right. But the way, and this this is not only the IT companies have to do it. The government has to do it. In a sense, government has to increase benefits. Right. Uh, government has to increase the welfare expenditure, mm-hmm. which they are not doing it. They are just passing the buck to the poor people. So do you think in a way that the government and these industries have sort of turned a blind eye to, to these people? Uh, uh, I think it's, it, it's, not, it's not a question of blind eye. Yeah. It's a question of struggle. So if, you, if they struggle, if they don't demand right. that I need this... Obviously, government and industry will not care for them. The history, I think the history of everywhere, in Canada and everywhere, right. it's, the, it's the underprivileged has to fight it out. Uh, how effective do you think, um, you know, for example, forming a labor union um, in, in, these, in, these, uh, in, in this case would be effective? Because you do mention that there is a certain level of hesitancy involved in, in you know forming a group and actually demanding their rights, uh, can you elaborate on that a little bit? Okay, the, the thing is that all these people, all these workers, are outsourced workers. Okay. Okay. So if IBM, Microsoft, Infosys, all these big companies, they don't employ these people directly. So they first they outsource it. So outsource outsource to whom? To the companies. Some mm-hmm. of them are fly-by-night operators. Mm-hmm. But some of them are big multinational uh, companies, like Group for Securities and all these companies. Mm-hmm. Okay, so in some companies, there there is a uh, they have given the right to form union. But in most of the companies, they don't have they don't provide that right. Okay, okay? and their job is so uncertain that if you try to build unions, right, uh, they would be uh, they would be thrown out. So, so tell me something. How does this um, parallel, for example, um, you know, does this come? The conditions that these people face does it come close to 
talking about exploitative conditions because you know you uh, is is this some form of an exploitation that's being done maybe not at a really large scale like we see for example in in factories where you have sweatshirts being produced or iPhones being produced but uh, do you do you think these people are oppressed and exploited by these IT companies so first then we have to define what exploitation okay. is okay so if like if a software engineer owns let's say $75000 right Okay, I'm talking about Canada, Canada or North America. Let's say in India, a software, uh, if I translate the Indian salary into dollars, uh, they will be earning, let's say, uh, uh, between hundred, uh, uh, maybe maybe seventy-five thousand uh, lakh rupees. Let's say in the beginning, mm-hmm. like in the big, not in the beginning, in the kind of mid-level career. Right. So it will come around two thousand right. dollars, and. A support service worker earning two hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. So how would we compare two hundred dollars right. with two thousand dollars? Is it the skill set so wide right. that justify this difference? I think no, it's not. It's not. They should be given a more a fair wage for their fair work. What happens if if this problem that and I understand that your research, what you're studying, is something that not a lot of people have actually uh, done in the past, and, and you're one of those people who's actually truly studying this um, very neglected problem. What happens if this situation goes unchecked? If 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 we turn a blind eye? To no, I, I am not saying that is it's like. It's not going unchecked okay. because there is constantly. If I, if you look at my interviews, which I'll be obviously, I'm at writing stage now. Right. So, people are saying that will not tolerate this. Okay. So that's a part of my interview. Like that's part of my thesis. I am saying they are becoming part of the globalization process. At the same time, they're demanding their own share. Okay. And and it's happening. It's right. happening in in places like in Bangalore, okay. in 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 Calcutta, in uh, in New Delhi, mm-hmm. uh, Gurgaon. Mm-hmm. These are happening. Mm-hmm. Okay, we it it may be that we are not hearing this, like media is not gung on this, mm-hmm. but these things are happening. So that that there are the unions are are being formed. Mm-hmm. Then they are going for a strike. They are arguing for better wage. Mm-hmm. They are going for uh, uh, better healthcare system and all these things. And they are fighting it out there. Um, when you mention Bangalore, for example, you know it's it's sort of the the place in in India where I think the the, the IT boom really started and yeah. took off, right? It's yeah. the Silicon uh, Valley, Valley of, of India. India, yeah. Um, you mention in one of your reports that uh, you know it's also the the suicide capital of India. Yeah, I think the last year it it is that. Right. Uh, how how does one explain the Silicon Valley of India, um, you know, having the highest rate of suicides, uh, you know, how how do you do explain that in the context of your research? It's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, software jobs right. are not like the jobs our parents used to have right. in, in, in 60s and 70s or early 80s. It's a very uncertain jobs they are. Even for software programmers, right. it's not that they work only eight hours and they go back home and come back again. It's a highly tense job. Right. All these jobs are okay, and 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 that creates a a sense of uh, alienation. 
Okay. Uh, when when I mentioned this this thing that high suicide capital, yeah, it's basically bec- among the white collared workers. Okay. Okay. It's not among them, like among those those people. Like I am inter- interviewing my my research subjects. No. Okay. So it's it's uncertain life. Okay. And on the on the whole, there's a pressure. Obviously, that if you are a software engineer, then you have to have a a, a car, you have to have a, a good house, you have to go every weekend to good pubs and all this. Right. Okay. So uh, that it's 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 and at that same time, Bangalore life is not easy. There is no there is like in terms of urban facilities. Right. It's it's really very very bad. Right. Water is not there. It's if you want to travel for a few kilometers in Bangalore, you have to like. Uh, there will be traffic congestion, and I kind of I, I remember tr- like a kilometer, two kilometers may take you half an hour. Okay. So all this kind of pressure. So when you go back home, you are a person who is kind of very, very uh, alienated person from the society. Uh, speaking of alienation and 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 um, you know integrating into these new societies, um, in. In in one of your research papers, you mentioned that the people that you're interviewing, right? The you know these uh, fast food workers, these janitors, you know, when they come from their rural areas to to these big cities, you know, they they are sort of taking in they they take with them their traditions and their social sort of um, cultures and customs, and they're trying to negotiate the hyper modern environment. That's these uh, big, for example, IT offices, right? How um, you know, how do they manage this? Oh, it's very difficult. It's a very difficult situation. Right. Look, I'm not saying that Indian villages now is a pristine, authentic village. Right. It, it's never been. Like, with the coming of the Britishers or the coming of the outside people, it, it has changed from, very, from, from early uh, to, uh, to, uh, 20s, 30s, into a very commercial place. Right. But still, it is not compared to Bangalore, New Delhi, Mumbai, and other big cities. Right. So it's an acceleration of life process in these cities. Right. Like, you have to be like, do a 10, 12 hours a job. You have always on running. Right. There is no a sit and thinking process right. involved. Right. So, so, the, and at the same time, these people who came from the village or semi-rural, semi-urban areas, right. they feel that they, f- they, they, they feel that they, when they come into this kind of situation, they try to negotiate in their own ways. Okay. So that negotiation is a very interesting thing in my research, I believe. So how do they, re- how do ne- how do they nego- negotiate? They have a mobile phone. Right. Which is a very rudimentary, right? Okay, not a smartphone, right? But they aspire. There is, there is an aspiration aspect, right? But there is a means to that aspiration is also not there, right? So they demand for all those things, okay? So they demand better health facilities for them, okay? So they demand English schools, okay, for their children, okay? In villages, they would not never demand that. So you are in a new place. You are demanding new things. And that's where the contestation, the resistance starts from. And this is, this is, a, this is a very interesting thing happening now. Uh, do you see um, sort of similar situations? Uh, because, you know, when we talk about big IT centers, apart from the actual Silicon Valley, you, we see big IT centers, for example, in places like Shanghai or Dublin or Waterloo. I'm sure... Uh, the problem might be not relatively as acute 
as uh, as in india because of the lack of that big social class divide but do you see a parallel in these different geographical lo- locations yeah. too yeah certainly i see that i see that in terms of with the coming of the inequality in in these societies the inequality has increased right. so many of the people who are not getting jobs right. okay they go to this places as security guards right or as as drivers okay car- carpool drivers so so as the inequality increases right there is a kind of convergence to this kind of things uh, do you see do you see uh, what is your take on the situation here in canada in terms of uh, you know these people who work in uh, you know a janitor working in the google campus of in in canada in toronto for example how different is that it is really different simply simply because in canada the union rights are more uh, rooted okay. here so and, and it's not it's 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 this condition is much better compared to the to their fellow workers in india okay yeah. and 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 I, there is a grievance process yeah there and it's it's more democratic in a sense that their life is structured in a very much more democratic environment yeah okay there is much more gender equality here okay okay and there there is much more i think i think there is much more respect for this kind of jobs compared to in india and uh, but what you're saying is that uh, back home through your interviews and and from what i gather there there seems to be sort of this sense of optimism where things are slowly happening where where at least people are demanding yes. their the grievances yeah. to be heard and things are being yeah. implemented yes that's that's the only hope i have okay yeah it's it's not not everything is is bad yeah. because people are re- resisting this Okay. Um Indranil, uh, you know, we're almost wrapping up and I have to sort of ask you because you know, you're the president of the PSAC Local 610. Oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um yeah. you know, uh, speaking from you know, from one graduate student to another graduate student, what are some of the m- most important pressing issues that the Western Graduate Student Society is facing and what can we do um to to sort of alleviate those? I think I think the number 1 is funding. Okay. Number 2 is funding. Number 3 is health. Funding funding health. Okay. Okay. So more health benefits, more yeah. funding. We as 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 a TA as a specialty union, we have four years of funding. But on an average, arts and science we have completion rate is 5.5. Yeah. Uh, uh it's 4.5 according to industry average, according to the university average but it's because of engineering because engineering is for four years four years two months right. but arts and humanities is much higher social science is much higher even science some of science subjects is much higher right. so we need more funding more ta shape from the university right and and also taking care of our health that means more health benefits yeah that we need it and at the same time university universities across the world they are making knowledge a very commercial thing right. okay i don't think knowledge is a commercial thing okay it's de- it doesn't depend on your number of research papers you're submitting and you're getting more funding uh, otherwise i think most of the people most of the great scientists right. they didn't go to have this uh, acquire this knowledge because of their name being published in in great journals right. it's because out of their passion for knowledge i think by dividing this stem and non stem thing yeah i think we are undermining that passion for knowledge we are all doing it in terms of saying that how much money we can earn th- 
by having acquiring those knowledges and this is a very dangerous thing happening across the world it's more more connection with the industry is okay that's fine yeah but it's not everything pure science mathematics right okay uh, bioscience as you are a, you are a bioscience yeah. phd so you can understand that uh, discovering a germ yeah has its own joy that's not that, uh, that's not that art to, to win a nobel prize and discover germ is, is is i think two two different things um so interestingly are we having um, you know we're having some sort of uh, elections going on yeah. uh, and uh, do you have any words for that i mean I, I think, i'm sure yeah. you would want every one of us to come uh, yeah, and participate please, and vote please participate and vote right. uh, over the years over the last one year two years we have found that more and more people are are coming right and joining the union right. taking active interest in that right. on thursday 4:30 middlesex college yeah. i think more and more tas will come and vote for their representatives that's very important perfect um so what are your plans after this do you plan to uh, sort of combine academics and you know i don't know uh, activism and and being you know socially you know um, active with 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 our issues or do you plan to lead a life of an academic researcher i th- uh, okay i think i think we all are activists in okay. different ways okay so there is no chinese wall between activism and academics okay okay in different ways we do that in different uh, places we do that right and uh, i have to finish my thesis writing my thesis now yeah. so and and i want to be i think uh, in canada labor studies hasn't developed much okay there are few universities where there are few labor study program right. i think there is a in, enough scope right. to develop that yeah. to increase the scope of the labor studies yeah. in canada in 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 a, in a time frame like this where the inequality is growing in canada perfect well uh, uh indranil thank you so much thank you thank you thank um, you it, it was a it was a wonderful interview i certainly learned a lot i hope our london audience learned a lot and um till next time stay warm london well actually don't stay warm <laughs> get out uh you know it's a, it's warm it's sunny days there. and uh, enjoy enjoy patio weather yes. indranil is a very busy person so i very much appreciate him coming on uh gradcast is a production of the society of graduate students at the university of western ontario and of course i don't know if you know this but you only get one third of all gradcast content by just listening to the radio we have a podcast where we record three episodes every two weeks so there's so much stuff that you will never hear on the radio and it's all for free on your ipod or your phone or whatever it is you use these days to listen to mp3s and you can find all those at gradcastradio.ca there's some great stuff on there we have had uh the episode coming out tomorrow which actually showcases one of our newest committee members and we're all really excited and of course Indranil's episode will be up in about a month so please come and support us and of course yeah get outside london it's so nice out bye that's all we got for this week if you like this episode share it with someone check us all out on twitter and facebook both you can find through gradcast radio you can go to our website to see more episodes at gradcastradio.ca And if you want to come on the show and talk about your own research, great line for your CV, go to gradcastradio at gmail.com. The theme is Happy Boy by Kevin McLeod, and we will see you guys next time.